Are you happy tonight? Yes. Amen. Romans 10 and 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is a wise man or wise woman that invests time in the word of God. Because as you invest time in the word of God and take heed what you hear and place great value on what you hear and how you hear, God will begin to add even more knowledge and revelation to you. And your faith can grow. You know, the Bible talks about exceeding growing faith. As a matter of fact, I believe that every one of us should be using our faith on something every day of our lives. When you uh, look at the Word of God in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 in the Amplified, of course, King James says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. But the Amplified says we regulate our lives by faith. So how shall the just live in this day, in this hour? The just shall live by faith. You and I are the just. We are those that have been justified, made right in His sight, and the Bible says that if we draw back and refuse to live by faith, that his soul will have no pleasure in us. But how shall the just live? The just shall live by faith. Some of you are going to get this about 10 o'clock tonight. Okay, that's all right. How shall the just live? The just shall live by faith. That's the answer I'm looking for. How shall the just live? The just shall live by faith. That's what I want you to say. The just shall live by faith. How shall the just live? <laughs> All right. Well, praise the Lord. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Use your faith on something and for something every day. And Use your faith for healing, use your faith for prosperity, but also use your faith for souls. Amen? Amen? Now tonight we're going to talk about the subject of healing. So we could say it this way, faith for healing comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God about healing. Amen? Faith for healing comes by the word of God and hearing by the word of God about healing. Oral Roberts said something years ago. He said that we must hear something seven times in order to get it. You know, and after what we just went through, I believe it. <laughs> you know, Brother Hagin said something that's interesting. Uh, you know, someone kind of complained about him always talking about Mark eleven twenty three, And, uh, you know, you can probably quote Mark eleven twenty three. Which is, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And, you know, the person was kind of complaining and mumbling and grumbling about hearing another message on Mark eleven twenty three, And, and uh, he was wondering, you know, I, I just I wonder why you just keep teaching on Mark eleven twenty three. And his response was, we'll move on to something else after you get it. You know? And so there's a lot of revelation in Mark eleven twenty three. And a lot of Mark eleven twenty three has the word say or saith in it three times. And so there is great importance on the words that we speak. 
And there's great value on hearing yourself speak God's word daily. Speaking God's word regularly. It is a discipline that you can school yourself into. And it will pay high and rich dividends for your life if you will be a disciplined person that will speak the word of God regularly. It really changed my life way back in the 70s. Even before that I met Brenda. You know, I came out of Minnesota and I was going to go to Raymond in 1976 and did. Graduated in 77. Married Brenda July 22nd of 1977. Best decision I ever made next to receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Amen. But you know, someone gave me a little book by a guy by the name of Charles Caps. And Charles Caps has this little book called God's Creative Power. And so what I did is I began to, to read that book and then just say what the scriptures said about me. I walked down the road down there in Oklahoma on my way to work before I had an automobile. And I began to say what the scriptures said. I said things like, I am part of the body of Christ and Satan has no power over me. For greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your word and your staff comfort me. And today I'm far from oppression and fear does not come nigh me. And no weapon formed against me is going to prosper for my righteousness is of the Lord. Because whatever I do will prosper for I'm just like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And whatever I touch prospers. Oh, glory to God. And so, you know, I'm walking down the road down there uh, heading to, you know, my, my job that I really didn't deserve. Uh, in a machine shop because I didn't know the difference between a hammer and a screwdriver. But that's another story because I confess I had the wisdom of God before the wisdom of God manifested. But just day after day, you know, week after week, just, just speaking the word, just staying with the word, just doing what the Bible says to do. You know, of course, reading the word and, and meditating in the word. And then my ride would come along on the freeway, pick me up and take me to work. But I'm telling you, that discipline in the early stages of my life is stuck with me. Now, I, don't, I can't say that, you know, I've been loyal and faithful to confess the word every day. But I'm just seeming in my spirit. I'm just having a resurgence of that going on in my heart. Amen. Because I know what it did for me. And if it did that much for me then, just think of how much more it'll do for us today. Amen? So go in the bookstore, you know, and, and pick up those little books on God's creative power for your healing. God's creative power. Just, just look at it and, and, and say it. And, and say it bold. And say it strong. And you know what'll come? Faith will come. Praise God. And when faith comes, it'll change your life. See, words paint pictures, don't they? And so as you apply the Word of God to your heart and to your circumstance, all of a sudden it builds an image on the inside of you of your healing to where you begin to see yourself well. You don't see yourself sick anymore. You don't see yourself dying young anymore. You see yourself living long and living strong. Hallelujah. You see the will of God being played out in your life. But now if you're waiting for someone to do it for you or a special laying on a hand service, it doesn't come by that way. You know, God heals through laying on hands. I don't mean that. But I'm talking about long-term help comes by a long-term commitment from you. And that's what discipleship is really all about. 
Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And then you shall know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. The truth will make you free. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now look over at Romans, the 12th chapter, and let's look at verse 1 and 2. In order for some to be healed, they've got to unlearn some things before they can learn some things. You know, oftentimes we're, we're brought up a certain way, or maybe we were listened to a, a well-meaning Christian, you know, teaching the Bible on healing and said, well, you know, it's the will of God for some to be healed, and it's not the will of God for others to be healed, and you just never know, because, you know, after all, Job was sick, and, and you know, Paul had a, a thorn in the flesh, and all these things, you know, can, can detract from your faith. And that's why it's so important for you to know the Word of God for yourself. Amen. And so oftentimes people need to experience a, a, a change in their belief system concerning their health and God's will for them. Amen? Amen. I believe this, that God wants His people well. We're living in the last days. We are living in the last days. And I don't know whether we're ever going to see another election, to be honest with you. I mean, before 2016, we might be out of here in a blaze of glory. And so I'm going to hold fast, praise God, to the spirit of grace, the spirit of glory. I'm believing to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen? No matter who's president, whether yours got in or didn't get in, it doesn't change the mindset of the kingdom. We'll just continue to seek first the kingdom of God, his way of being and doing right. And the will of God will be done in the earth because the salt and the light are alive and well in the United States of America. He wants his people well. Years ago, Kenneth Copeland had this revelation. He said this. He said, my people are not the sick trying to get well. But the people of God are the healed. And Satan is simply trying, trying to steal their health for them, from them. So to receive healing then, it really doesn't have much to do with the willingness of God to heal. Because it is his will. It is his plan. To receive healing has much more to do with you than it does God. It has everything to do with my capacity and your capacity to receive the work that Jesus has already accomplished. You see, God's already done his part. So it's a waste of time begging God to do something that he's already done. Healing is a forever settled fact. The Bible says that he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Amen? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, what are we? We are healed and made whole. So it's not a question of you or me talking God into a notion to, to doing something he's already done. It really is a question of our capacity to receive from him what has already been accomplished. And that, my friends, has to do with our faith. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. 
He said in verse 1, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now the Amplified says it this way, make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and your faculties to God. Now notice in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, think about this for a moment. When he says, do not be conformed to this world, we understand that the world has certain mindsets. Do they not? The world has certain mindsets concerning the subject of healing. Let's just be honest about it. The world is not privy to revelation knowledge concerning the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The world peddles doubt and unbelief. The world will tell you that it's flu season and you better watch out because after all, everyone sooner or later gets the flu. The world and the system of this world is not conformed to the word It's conformed to the world. Its mindset is upside down. But when we get born again, we then begin to change our belief system, change the way that we believe, change how we speak. And as a result, we're no longer conformed, no longer have to accept what the world says we have to accept. But all of a sudden, you and I are transformed. We are being changed by the word of God. Be not conformed. To the mindset of this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. I always think about Tony Cook, who just got back from Singapore and Australia and preached at Ramah. He made this comment, your mind is not renewed by the removal of your mind. But you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, I think some Christians would, you know, benefit from reading it that way. Not removed, renewed. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. I'm telling you tonight that it is God's will for you to live out your days in health. It is God's will for you to live out your days in strength. Now, in order to do that, you're going to have to fight for it. Somebody says, well, I thought that Jesus already accomplished it. Yes, but you've got to enforce Satan's defeat every day of your life. And you've got to walk on top of sickness and disease rather than allowing it to live in your body. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew, the 13th chapter, and, and uh, look at uh, verse 15 and verse 16. I'm reaching out for a new level of understanding. I'm reaching out for greater unction and greater understanding of the healing power of God. How about you? You see, healing is God's dinner bell. And in a time of revival, 
and in a time of great glory on the earth, that is one way that God's going to get people's attention. I believe that there are people that have a divine appointment with the healer. I mean, they're going their own way, walking their own way, walking down a road that's leading them to death. But I believe that God is going to intersect them with his glory and with his power. And it's going to change their lives. And so what we need to do then is we need to make sure that we have our minds set concerning the word of God. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, he says, For this people's heart, it's waxed gross. And their ears are dull of hearing. You know, it's easy to get dull spiritually. I mean, you just stay out of the word and not pray and get discouraged and get disappointed. You'll get real dull. And the Bible says their eyes, they have closed. Lest at any time they should see God's word about healing. I added that with their ears. And hear God's word about healing with their ears. And should understand God's word about healing with their heart. And should be converted to God's word about healing. And I would heal them. Amen. Look at this in the Amplified Version. It says this. Lest they see and perceive with their eyes. And hear and comprehend um, the sense with their ears. And grasp and understand with their heart. And turn I should heal them. He's talking about conversion. He's talking about a complete change, a mindset, a tenacity, a strong desire to walk in divine health and to walk in divine life. You know, in 3 John 2, let's look over there in 3 John 2. He says, Beloved, I wish or I pray above all things. That you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Maybe we should get some fans going in here or something. 3 John 2. Let's look at that. 3 John 2. Completely changed. Renewed. A mindset. Amen. 3 John 2. Again it says, Beloved, I wish or I pray... Above all things, that you may prosper. How many of you know that prosperity is the will of God? And be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Now listen to this statement by Brother Hagin. He says, when you know that by his stripes you are healed, and you know that in your spirit, just like you know two plus two equals four in your mind... The devil will no longer have any authority over you. He went on to say this. He said, the way you know that in your spirit is by meditating upon it with your mind until it filters down into your heart. Then you will be certain and then you will be sure. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. Notice this scripture here. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live where? That we should live under righteousness, and by whose stripes, what happens? By his stripes you were healed. 
How many of you heard of a struggling preacher by the name of Dr. Fred Price? He said, if you were healed, you are healed. And then he went on to say, if you are healed, you is healed. Well, I is healed. How about you? How is you? I is healed. By his stripes, we were healed. Now let that sink down into your inner consciousness. It's, it's easy to think on the word if you'll just develop a discipline in doing it. Turn me now to James chapter 1 and notice with me verses 5 through 8. Now here's a thought concerning divine healing. You cannot afford to vacillate. You've got to be single-minded. In James chapter 1, notice with me in verses 5 through 8. In other words, you must know then beyond any shadow of a doubt that it is the will of God, it is the plan of God for you to be healed. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, I think we've all qualified for that from time to time in our lives. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men. How does God give? Aren't you glad God's not El Chipo? He's El Shaddai. He's not a God who's less than the least. He's the God who's more than enough. Glory to God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. And notice the next verse, but let him ask how? Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. And then he goes on to define for us what wavering looks like. Wavering is becoming double-minded. It is becoming two-spirited. Wavering and having a double mind means to vacillate between two opinions. To vacillate between God's word and the mindset of the world or the devil's lies. So he says here, For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Next verse. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Verse 8. A double-minded man, or literally a duo, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So here's what a double-minded man looks like. A double-minded man is one day up, but the next day down. One day solid, but the next day staggering. One day fully persuaded, but the next day another mindset has got in. And so a person then that is double-minded has a lot of doubts, has a lot of wondering. Norval Hayes said this years ago. He said, wondering is wavering. So a double-minded man then begins to, to question, to question God. So then we must become absolutely single-minded that it's God's will for us to be well. Where there's absolutely no question, no doubt, no wonderment, and no staggering. Look at verse 8 again. It says in verse 8, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. God is looking for his people in this day and in this hour to be covenant-minded. A covenant-minded man or woman is a man or woman 
whose eye is single and they have become single-minded. Now, if there's one thing that the body of Christ needs in this time, in this day, and this hour, is not to grow weary. Not to faint and to draw back. But it is the plan of God and the will of God for us to be single-minded, seeking first the kingdom of God at all times, in season and out of season. And as a result, the will and the plan of God will be accomplished. And so then, say with a real strong, a single-minded man... Is stable, is stable, established, established rooted, rooted, grounded, grounded and, anchored and anchored in all his ways. It becomes then an anchor to your soul. A single-minded person is a person who's blessed God, his heart is fixed. Nothing can take them off the word, but their heart is fixed. Their heart is established. Their trust and their confidence is not in the Republicans. It is not in the Democrats. It is not in the House of Representatives. It is not in the Senate. It is not in what the doctors say. It is in what God's word has to say. And on that and that alone, we will stand. The righteous shall stand upon the covenant because they serve a covenant-keeping God and they become single-minded, seeing only and speaking only and having only the will of God in their lives. And of course, that's a huge statement. But that applies to every area of your life. Hallelujah. We're not going under. We're going over. We are not undertakers. We're overcomers. Amen. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the redeemer. I'm not looking for a cave to hide in. I'm looking up. You know why I'm looking up? I'm looking up because I'm single-minded. And God said, when you see some of these things start to take place, look up! He didn't say look out. He said, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Woo! Glory to God. We serve a Redeemer. And I know my Redeemer lives. And I know He's coming soon. Look up! Your redemption draws nigh. Look up. Looking away from all that will distract unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. Look up not only for the second coming of Christ, but keep looking unto Him for your provision. Keep looking unto Him for the manifestation of your healing. It draweth nigh. That's what the Lord's saying. So rejoice and be glad in this hour and in this period for your redemption and your completion and your manifestation is at hand. Amen. Do you believe it? Well, if you believed it, you ought to do something there and just be happy or something. Ooh, look out. Look out. Oh, you just, oh. 
See, that's what caused heart failure. Yeah, that's what Luke says. He says, men's hearts will fail them because they're looking after those things that are coming upon the earth. Men's hearts will fail in the last days. There is such a thing as spiritual heart failure. Now, literally, people's hearts, the blood pump can fail them because of stress and because of fear. We understand that. But men's hearts, the inability to produce faith, they'll have spiritual failure in these last days if they don't get their eyes off those things. You got to keep your eyes on Him. Some trust in chariots. Some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Glory to God. So here's what what the Lord says. Looking away from everything that would distract. Lay aside the cares of this life. And set your affection on things above. Not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. He told us that he would keep us... In absolute peace, 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 Mm -hmm. a double portion of peace, shalom, shalom, if we will keep our mind stayed on him. And a man or a woman of faith whose mind is stayed on them will automatically speak faith-filled words. And the things around them will change for them when others around them, things will never change. I'm no respecter of persons, says the Lord, but I am a respecter of faith. So make sure that your gaze is set on the right things in this day and this hour. For I'm not finished yet. It is just the beginning of my day of glory and my day of power. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands and thank Him. Oh, Hallelujah. Looking for a city. That's what they sing, you know. They're looking for a city. Looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Well, we're looking for that city, all right. But we're also looking for revival. And we're looking for manifestation. Hallelujah. Didn't he say if you would but believe that you would see the glory of the Lord? So let's keep our minds, let's keep our spirits up. Let's keep our affections on things above. Stay prayed up. Amen. Stay Stay worded up. Speak ye the word only. Hallelujah. And you'll have only what the word produces. Amen. All right. Well, let's uh, get busy here. Let's look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And so then we're not... uh, we're not unstable, we're stable. We're not, we're not, you know, wavering, we're rooted. Amen. 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 Uh, the, uh, Pastor Tom shared this scripture with me years ago, that the root of the righteous shall not be moved. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Amen. I'm just like a what? Tree planted by the rivers of water. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Even though the water bottle fell on my toe. The word of God makes me whole. 
All right, Romans chapter 4. <laughs> Come on, shout with me a little bit tonight. Glory to God. Amen. Why not? God's good. God's good all the time, and all the time God is good. God is good. And all the time. Your dad taught me that one. God is good. And all the time. That's awesome. I like that. And it's the goodness of God, like Brenda said on the way in tonight. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's not the church hiding in a cave, biting our nails, worrying about the economy. Uh uh-uh. uh. It's the goodness of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo, thank you. I hear my spiritual papa saying, I've done, done it again. I preach myself happy. Yeah. Romans, the fourth chapter now. Let's look at this in verse 20. Hallelujah. Verse 21. Now, Abraham had a promise from the promise keeper. God never gives a promise without his full intention of keeping it. And watching over it to perform it. He is the promiser. We are the recipients of the promise. And we work with that promise in our hearts. And hold fast to the promise. Believe it and speak it. And the promise keeper performs it. So we return the promise to him. That he so freely gave. We receive it. With meekness into our heart. And we return it back to him. With faith and in faith. And he performs it. He performs it on our behalf. Isn't that neat? You don't have to come up with the promise. No you don't. The promise has already been made. And you don't have to come up with the ability to perform the promise. He's not only the promiser. But he's the promise keeper. And he's the promise performer. All you got to do is be a promise receiver and a promise speaker, and he will do his part, and he will become the promise performer. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. I like it. I don't know whether I can say that again. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, all the promises of God are yes and amen. In him, and you are in him, and he is in you. The promise is in you, and it's yes and amen, and it shall come to pass in this time and this hour. Amen. Woo, glory. So, Abraham, oh, thank you, Lord. Abraham had a promise from the promise keeper. And Abraham had to do his part. He couldn't reject the promise. He had to accept the promise. If he would have, if he would have, um, trust Lord all heart, lean, lean, if he would have leaned to his understanding and looked at Sarah, (laughs) then he would have rejected the promise. There are too many promise rejectors in the body of Christ. 
We have been given exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might become partakers of the divine nature. Don't be a promise rejecter. Be a promise receiver. Say with me, I am a promise receiver. So Abraham had the promise. He didn't reject the promise. He received the promise in verse 20. And in verse 21, Romans chapter 4, it says, He staggered not. So where did we see that earlier? Double-minded. He wasn't double-minded. He was single-minded. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But what did he do instead? He was strong. Where? In faith. He was strong in the promise. And he gave glory to God. I've written this in my notes. Being strong in faith gives God glory. Okay. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. He gave glory to God. And he became fully persuaded. Fully persuaded with the promise. Okay. Not partially persuaded. If you can become fully persuaded, that tells me that you can become halfway persuaded. Amen? Amen. Keep meditating on the promise until you get fully persuaded. And once you become fully persuaded, you must stay fully persuaded. And to stay fully persuaded, you've got to keep going back to the Word and the promise again and again and again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God until you are full up. Amen? Amen. Amen. And being fully persuaded (laughs) that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Amplified says, Abram was fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he promised. The New Living Translation said he was fully convinced. The message says he was sure. God's Word Translation says that he was absolutely confident. He staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was fully persuaded of what? The promise. Now, I just learned this this afternoon, and we're going to close here tonight at this point. I heard this this afternoon, and it really ministered to me. Look at that word, Fully persuaded. And in your notes, you might want to put Greek by that. Or if you are taking notes. This is interesting. The word fully persuaded in the Greek means wearing the work of God to its fullest extent. Wearing the work of God or putting on the promise of God like you would put on clothing. In other words, you wear it to its fullest extent. 
And that's what God wants us to do, is He wants us to wear the promise, to put the promise so on us and in us that it is not only evident in our lives, but it is evident to those around us. We are going to wear the promises of God and wear the covenant that we have with God to its fullest extent. To where it's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, And our promised containers are just running over. And when your promised container is running over, it will come out of your mouth and it will take you into the land of overflow. And when you're overflowing with his life and his word, which contains healing, there's... No more room for cancer. There's no more room for depression. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up and thank Him for His Word.